Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today I'm going to be talking to a pro-life leader from Malta. Her name is Dr. Miriam Skibaraz. And those of you who know what's going on in Malta will have heard her name because she is one of the leading pro-life activists who is currently combating the attempt to legalize abortion in Malta. Malta is one of the EU's last pro-life nations. It is the only nation in the Europe. European Union, where preborn human rights are totally protected and abortion is still completely illegal. And Miriam, who works for the Life Network Malta, has been helping to organize meetings with the government, helping to organize rallies. She helps to run the pastoral arm of the pro-life movement in Malta. And what's been particularly incredible about what's going on in Malta is that a couple of months back, I would have said that Malta was going the way of Ireland insofar as that the media, the international media, especially uh, European politicians, were putting enormous pressure on Malta to legalize abortion after there was the case of a woman who claimed uh, that her, her life was at risk after being denied an abortion. Uh, that, like it so often is with these cases, uh, turned out not to be true. But what's really extraordinary thus far is that it looks like abortion was going to be legalized, that the Maltese criminal code would be changed. And instead you have this enormous nonpartisan pushback in Malta from all different Maltese pro-life groups, but also just other groups, medical groups, that said this is not something that we want in Malta. They had an enormous rally that encompassed almost 4% of the Maltese population. And month after month went by, and this amendment, this abortion amendment, still has not yet happened. Uh, the major left-wing newspapers, which is to say newspapers, uh, here in uh, in the West were actually at, uh, saying this would happen in December, and they were saying this was going to happen in January. January, and now it's almost April, and it still hasn't happened yet. And so I've been keeping very close track of the situation. I wrote a column on the huge March for Life they had there a couple of months ago. But I wanted to talk to Miriam and get a sense of what's going on in Malta, how the situation is unfolding, and what we should all know about what's taking place there. And so she agreed to come on, and this is our conversation. So maybe just to start off, could you let our listeners know what's going on in Malta? Malta, I believe, is the only European Union country where preborn human rights are completely protected and where abortion is completely legal. But the international news has been full of discussions lately about why that could change. So maybe let us know what Malta's pro-life regime looks like and what's going on right now. Well, at the moment, um, even though there are some changes in the surveys that um, I can send you so that you can see, um, the absolute majority of the Maltese people are still in favor of life. That is, for the protection of life from conception and against abortion. Um, uh, this all started uh, during the summer when we have when we had the case of the premature membranes, the rupture of the premature members of Miss Andrea Prudente. And this was immediately hijacked by the pro-abortion lobbies, putting our uh, putting a bad light on our public hospitals, which I must say are very good. In fact, we, we have the lowest uh, maternity death rate. And without having abortion, 
and it sort of spun even in the international media that Malta was some sort of country where pregnant women were at risk, where uh, if a pregnant woman needed um, help as in medical treatment, she would not be given this help um, because it, it was as if it was, a, it seemed they were painting it as if it was a competition between the mother and the baby's life, which is definitely not the case. In Malta, doctors are protected and have been protected um, for generations um, for saving women's lives if the pregnant woman's life was in danger, even if that would mean that the inevitable consequence would mean the loss of the baby's life. So the mother's life is always given preference um, and the woman has a choice in Malta um, if, if she wants to take the life-saving treatment or not. Sometimes the women decide that they don't want and to take, um, for example, if it's chemotherapy, you know. Um, but the doctors were always safe to give the woman the care that she needed. The women were given the treatment that they needed to save their lives. But the difference is that wherever possible, every attempt is and was made to save the life of the baby. Um, that is the difference between um, life-saving treatment and intentional abortion. Intentional abortion is, is not legal in Malta, and that is how the situation is. Um, with the unfortunate case of Miss Prudente, um, when she had premature rupture of membranes, um, it was spun in the media and international media as well that uh, Mrs. Prudente's life was in danger. In fact, uh, if you look now at the court case and the testimonies coming out from the court, court case, it is now clear for all to see that her life was never in danger. So much so that even Professor Stabile uh, said this um, in the court of law. So um, uh, what actually happened then was that Miss Prudente was airlifted to Spain where um, she was given um, uh, an abortion by early delivery of the baby. Um, and this negative press uh, in all the media, but especially on social media, and especially painting the case that pregnant women's lives were in danger, um, uh, prompted uh, the government to come up with this um, abortion amendment, um, uh, citing Andrea Prudente's case, um, which now we know was no case um, for this, um, uh, prompted the government to come with uh, this amendment to, to our criminal code that would um, effectively um, be introducing abortion in, in, in limited cases in Malta. Um, this to us was not acceptable, and we explained this publicly um, by means of video clips, by speaking out on uh, television stations, radio stations. We explained to the people that we were all for protecting the doctors as, as we are now and as has been done for, 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 for generations. We are all for saving women's lives, but not to introducing um, abortion. First, because um, uh, abortion is the killing of a human being. 
Second of all, because if, if this amendment was just about um, putting doctors' minds at rest, that they would not be uh, accountable or um, uh, that they could actually save women's life, this is already guaranteed in the law as we have it today. When doctors take their oath, they take an oath to save lives. So if you are effectively trying to save a woman's life, and then as a subsequent unfortunate effect of that, the child is lost, that is not considered to be an abortion. So from this, you know, um, um, this campaign obviously um, uh, was quite effective um, because first of all, as I, as, as I said already, the majority of the Maltese people at this moment do not want abortion. Uh, second of all, this was not meant to be a campaign uh, discussing abortion, but was meant to be a protection for doctors um, and also for pregnant women, uh, and it wasn't so. And also, uh, when people were learning what this amendment would mean, they reacted, and uh, even there were, uh, we launched a petition, the Intitista Salvani website, which means you can save me. It is the baby um, asking us, each and every one of us, if we want to save him or her. Um, and this, this campaign against the government amendment garnered more than 44 organizations um, support, but also more than over 26,000 people signed the petition, and these are people who have email accounts. The elderly and uh, those who do not have an email account, which are the most pro-life generation, uh, did not even participate. And so um, not counting them, this was a very high sign up on, on email, on internet. Uh, more so, uh, the March for Life uh, in Valletta um, had thousands of people coming from every sector of life. Um, it was evident by the number of youths and families that attended that it was um, something that the people of Malta do not want. So, you know, if you look at the visuals of the thousands of people marching through Valletta for life, it was a, a beautiful, uh, uniting moment for us uh, that hold the protection of the unborn child at heart. So tell us about the, the March for Life in Malta, because I saw the pictures. It looked incredible. And I believe a, a significant percentage of the Maltese population actually attended. Yes, uh, it was a very significant moment um, with more than 20,000 people taking to the street uh, in support of the Salvani movement. Um, 20,000 people is actually 4% of the population. So um, when you consider the, this and the amount of people that had uh, signed the, pe the petition, it was quite substantial. So. Um, uh, it was something I, I don't think that we have seen such um, 
uh, a big outturn as this since the 80s, when there used to be really big meetings in the streets. Um, also now, um, from survey after survey, we have been, say we have been saying, uh, what we have been saying is actually now proven from the survey. For example, if you look at um, one published on Times of Malta uh, on the 25th of March, uh, the headline was nearly 60% would drop their party if it proposed abortion. Um, uh, this is quite significant. 60% um, would drop their party if it proposed abortion. Um, on the Malta Independent on Saturday 25th, the headline was 58% of people will not vote for a political party that proposes abortion. Um, uh, this was a MISCO survey uh, done recently um, that also shows that the people in Malta actually at this moment really and truly do not want abortion. So the people who attended this march, um, you had mentioned as well that a former president attended, that there was young people there, and that it was a very nonpartisan march in many ways. Yes. Um, so abortion is, is apolitical, you know. Uh, in Malta, we have two leading parties. And uh, in discussing abortion, we try to maintain a non-partisan view because this is a human rights issue um, and the list of speakers the list of speakers at the march included um, uh, president emeritus Mary Louise Coleiro Preca she uh, delivered a, a very strong pro-life speech um, urging for the protection of the unborn child urging politicians um, not to choose the way to abortion. Um, then there were two doctors as well from Doctors for Life who made a moving appeal of what abortion meant and what the Hippocratic Oath meant. Um, a young uh, youth also from the group uh, Youth Movement IC Life also spoke um, that Malta had come such a long way um, when you look at the achievements and civil rights movements, and then to have it uh, blown away by, by this move, because um, abortion would not even let those people that we had fought so much for their rights to, to have to be born. Um, uh, I also ended uh, the march uh, by making an appeal to the government to listen to to the people uh, to listen to our president um, who was who uh, as well as being a staunch pro-life pro-lifer is also a doctor a medical doctor and he was seeing the defaults with the abortion amendment and giving advice and I made a, an appeal to all those uh, in government to heed the president's advice and not to pass the abortion amendment. Um, this was in December, um, so time has passed and the move to pass this seems to have slowed down, but I say this because, you know, uh, it can come up at any moment, so 
the battle is far from being won, um, especially considering that the pro-abortion lobby uh, is strong and vociferous. Um, so we have to be on the lookout all the time. We have since had a meeting, a very cordial meeting uh, with the government delegation. We had been asking for a meeting since since this the issue cropped up, practically in November. Um, and in the meeting, uh, that took quite some time, um, we explained our stand and explained that we are all for the codification, which means um, making things more clear, maybe, of current practices in Malta, which allow the doctor to save women's life, but also to make every possible effort to save uh, the unborn child. And that to us, introducing abortion um, in this way uh, was totally unacceptable. And we hope and pray that um, should another amendment be in the pipeline, um, um, we would be there on the discussing table. And we pray and hope for this. Yeah, it's it. This is one of the reasons I had really wanted to talk to you now was because I thought this amendment, all the newspapers, even in, in Canada and the United States, were saying this was going to pass in October and then November and then December. And now it's almost April and the amendment still hasn't passed. And so I've seen these photographs of these uh, unbelievable rallies, but also the, the documents being released by doctors in Malta. The opposition, what's so impressive about the opposition in Malta is how united it is and how you have people who are left wing and right wing, people who are more liberal, people who are more conservative, that everybody seems to be united on the question. Because when this started, it looked like a Savita Halapanavar in Ireland case all over again, where you have enormous international pressure um, crushing down on the domestic politics of a country. And that results in a change. But something about what's happening in Malta seems to indicate that how did you manage to keep it so nonpartisan for so long? Well, we work in a nonpartisan manner. But I think the actual fact is that um, we are reflecting what there is at the moment. Um, the majority of the Maltese people still don't want abortion. And uh, um, it's very difficult. Um, uh, it hasn't been easy for us. It's not easy. It's uh, a struggle. Um, considering that uh, most media side with the pro-abortion and the pressures that we have, even from Europe, um, on our members of parliament, um, to push this forward. So it's not easy. But um, the, the pro-life coalition is a determined and uh, human rights-based uh, field group. We believe that abortion is the biggest human rights um, issue of all times. And we see abortion as the biggest injustice to humankind. And considering the current demography of Europe and the, and the current challenges that we face, um, it is really, I don't know how you would call it, but it is self-defeating to abort our own children when we need them so much as part of the population. And so, you know, abortion to me is the, hu the biggest human rights issue of all times. It is useless 
saying that you that Europe is advanced, that it has uh, that all minority groups now have rights. When we have a people group that is still being persecuted and killed systematically, and this also includes the targeting of the unborn uh, children in the womb that have fragile lives or sick lives. I think that saying that we are a civilized society, saying that we have rights for all minority groups, saying that we have abolished slavery, saying, saying that we have LGBTIQ rights and any other rights, and then systematically targeting the unborn for extinction, to me is a mm -hmm. play of words. Mm -hmm. So in the media, this is interesting because in in Ireland in 2018, there was virtually no media source whatsoever that was willing to consistently give voice to the pro-life side. And that's why after the referendum, you saw the uh, the Irish media organization Gripped start up with a number of journalists joining this independent platform that allows them now to actually cover both sides of, of every issue. So in Malta, how are you managing to get your voice out? Because, again, the the sheer numbers of the Maltese pro-life movement has obviously resulted in at least the delay of the abortion amendment that was promised last fall. How are you managing to get your voice out with much of the media on the side of the abortion activists? Well, it's not easy, but what we do is um, that we uh, send press releases of what is happening to, to all the media houses. Um, they don't always uh, report what we do um, as a matter of priority. But I must say that most of them do give us a, a, a fair hearing, you know, and that is all that we want, really. What we want is that we are given a fair playing field. Hmm. And so when it comes to the, the sheer number of like those headlines that you just mentioned from from last weekend, I'm talking about the number of people who would say abandon their party. Um, would it be fair to say that at this point, uh, all of the political incentives with regard to abortion uh, now run to the pro-life side on a domestic front and that the incentives to legalize abortion come primarily from Europe and internationally? Not only. I would say that the local pro-abortion lobby is also getting more vociferous. Mm. We desperately need resources to keep educating people. Um, as to what abortion really does. I think that's very important because when, you know, abortion is being promoted as some sort of advancement, when, you know, if you look at how um, so society changes and you look at what happens, it's also, it always takes a 20-year uh, time period to change a culture. So it first starts with the thoughts, and then the thoughts become words. The words start um, becoming legislation, and then from legislation, it moves to actual action. Um, so um, the pro-abortion lobby is working very hard, you know, especially on the youths, on social media, and whatever you have it. And this is not only in Malta. You know, when, when young people go onto social media, it's then you have international pressures, not just local pressures. 
Um, so I think um, that we all, there needs to be an international move uh, to educating people uh, to the value of life, to the beauty of, you know, having children, the benefits to society, the benefits to families, the joy that they bring, and to change the perception, you know, of children being associated as burdens, as, you know, uh, something that would, uh, in a way, demotivate you or maybe not let you achieve uh, what you would feel would fulfill you as a career. All these and the way that the, the, the social media uh, projects onto youths and young adults influences very much their choices in the way that they look at children. If you don't look at a child as a gift, as something beautiful, as the individual, you know, irreplaceable individual that he or she really is, then, you know, all of us are in danger. And the difficulty is, too, is that with social media, you see the the pro-life message often being restricted because live action, as you know, I know you've used these before, has videos that show what the abortion procedure really does. Uh, my organization has put up real footage of what abortion actually is, showing the horrifying actions of of basically physically destroying their bodies with forceps. And when the when the video was first allowed to proliferate, we had all these comments underneath from girls who had been looking for abortions. They would Google the word and they would say, oh, this is a video. I'm going to watch it. And when they saw what abortion was, they would say, I, I can't do this. I'm going to cancel my abortion. But then you see those videos sort of get shadow banned. They're hard to find now. And so we need to define what abortion is in the minds of the next generation. At the same time, the Internet is, is becoming an increasingly difficult place to do that. And so are you guys going door to door? You're going out on the streets. What is the way that you're doing to circumvent the gatekeepers and get directly to the people? I think it's being there for women in need. The most effective way that I see this coming across is if it's not being done from a, how do you say it? I don't want to come across as hard, but um, it needs to come from a non-judgmental point of view. I think that um, people are, are, will not be receptive uh, to a message that is judgmental, even if it is the truth. Unfortunately, this is how we are living. And I find that um, our support arm, because our foundation functions um, via three units, support, education, and advocacy. And the support to pregnant women, to women who have negative prenatal diagnosis, um, and also offering post-abortion support and healing in itself, in and of itself, um, give testimony to what abortion really does. Because if, you know, for example, we have a maternity home and now we are in the process of uh, refurbishing flatlets for the single moms after our program. And the maternity home program has already saved 92 babies. 
Now, when you say 92 babies, this is four kindergarten classrooms. Who would contest that the result of four kindergarten classrooms of children isn't a better resolution than that? You know, I mean, it's it just mind-boggling. So I think that our actions need to defend us from what abortion really does to a woman. And then when you look at the options and compare what happens to someone who is supported and who keeps the baby and now falls in love with their child and speaks of how close they came to going through an abortion. Also, the people that speak out um, uh, from the suffering and the torment that they feel after they had an abortion. Um, uh, so um, negative prenatal diagnosis, the same, you know, uh, you speak to people who actually have a son uh, or a daughter living with disability and uh, their, their place in the family, what is happening in the family, what is the family dynamics. I think people need to see these testimonies. And if, if they, because the testimonies speak out for the truth. And I always say that the truth uh, will testify for itself, you know, and nobody can say it's not the truth because they can see it, you know. And I think that's the way forward. If we want to stop abortion, I think this is the way forward. So what can the uh, the international pro-life movement and people who are listening to this do to help uh, help what you're doing in Malta? Pray for us and support us in any way. We are small, we are determined, but it's a David Goliath situation here in Malta. Um, so please help us in any way that you can. Um, we need speakers that we can uh, take around for tours. Speakers that speak of what they have been through if they had an abortion. Um, uh, people who have children from rape or are raising such children, ex-abortionists. We have had a series of speakers come here to Malta. We had Jana Jessen, Rebecca Kiesling, uh, Jennifer Christie, Anthony Levatino. Um, uh, so we, we have had uh, Rachel as well, Mackenzie. So we get these speakers um, and when, when they come to Malta, um, we take them on a tour and we meet as many people as possible and we get them interviewed on the media and on local television. I think those testimonies are so important. So if we can have more of these testimonies, it would help, you know, alert people to what abortion could really do. Um, this and obviously increasing our support and education. Education in teaching children um, that there is a human being right from conception and the difference between subject and object. This is what we teach in the human dignity curriculum. Um, and the way that we treat subject is always different to the way that we treat objects. And we treat human beings as subjects from conception. Um, so this and um, educating them in uh, relationship building and, you know, 
many, many things to do. Which website can people follow your work at? Lifenetwork.eu. Lifenetwork.eu. Well, Dr. Skibaraz, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Dr. Miriam Skibaraz of the Life Network Malta. Thanks so much for joining the show again this week. If you would like to hear this, in, uh, our, sorry, more interviews, if you want to listen to past shows, you can head down to lifesitenews.com, click on the podcast tab. You can subscribe to the show there. We'll keep you updated on the situation in Malta as it goes on. I had the privilege of interviewing Maltese President Dr. George Vela for first thing some years back, and he has also said that he will not be signing the legalization of abortion if he is asked to and that he will resign his position if he is asked and so what's going on there is incredibly inspiring i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did